0: Hello, I'm Anthony Sanna. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And this is Fusion Health Radio, the health, lifestyle, and mindset podcast, episode 19, Chi, chronic illness, and you.
1: Welcome to Fusion Health Radio, your source for inspiration, information,
2: and insight on what it really takes and what really matters on your journey to abundant
1: health.
0: Hello and welcome to Fusion Health Radio if you're a loyal listener and thanks for tuning in if this is your first time here. I'm Anthony Santa in studio today with Dr. Michael Smith. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Great. Spring is in the air. Yeah, kind of nice that it's not so much winter. Michael, for the sake of the people who've not paid attention to the last time you told them who you are (laughs) and for the sake of the folks who are tuning in for the first time, introduce yourself.
2: Uh, My name is Michael Smith. I practice integrative medicine. Uh, This is now my 21st year Guess about 10 podcasts ago, 20 years ago. So. <laughs> uh, I basically combine the leading-edge leading sciences of functional medicine and nutrition with the vast experience and wisdom of traditional Chinese medicine.
0: And uh, we sit down here every couple of weeks or so and talk shop around things that you know around health and diet and nutrition and lifestyle and mindset, all that sort of stuff. It's great. Um, as for myself, I'm Anthony Santa. I am uh, known in a very, very small circle on Twitter. Uh, I'm known as Truth About Food. I am a marketing guy in town here and uh, connected with Michael a few years back around my own health concerns. Um, And Michael, one day uh, last year, asked me if I wanted to do a podcast. And I said, absolutely. I'd love to be able to talk shop around health and record it because this is something that Michael and I do um, even when the microphones aren't on. So uh, here we are today talking about uh, what's today's topic? Chi, chronic illness and you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear today. Well, one thing
2: that I'm, uh, I guess passionate about probably since, uh, I started studying the classics of Chinese medicine, which I mean, to a bit of my chagrin was at 17 years of age, but (laughs) I was a nerd. (laughs) Was? (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, the way we translate the word qi into energy has always been kind of confusing to me. At first I just lapped it up because it was, you know, something different, but, um, you know, having a background in, you know. I don't know, physics and engineering, I was just like, you know, that's there's got to be a better way to talk about this. And over the years of practicing and teaching Chinese medicine and writing about things and even podcasting with you, I, I still keep coming up against, you know, I really want to figure out how to describe this in a way that the Western language that we use, English, uh, can actually you know, run with in a way that really helps people you know, apply that concept to their health, um, especially in the context of chronic illness. I mean, in my practice, mostly what I do is complex chronic autoimmune disease. So helping communicate to people you know the the concept or the context of chi and you know what that means to their now you know present dire situation you know that that becomes really important to me because if me speaking to someone you know is throwing pebbles against a wall because they don't really have a use for it i'm wasting their time and mine whereas if i can find ways to contextualize things that add value and purpose and meaning to people that now have to change their life or drink weird tasting potions or whatever else needs to happen then they actually have a you know their hands kind of around the concept and the meaning and the idea specific to their particular symptoms their diagnosis you know their day-to-day lifestyle habits and behavior because i mean the, the, the bummer about holistic medicine is you know no one gets away with anything because if it's holistic you got to take care of everything
0: you got to start where it starts yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully so uh, before we get too far along with the idea of qi and today's topic um, I forgot to ask you a recap, or what did we talk about last time? We were talking about brain stuff. And yeah,
2: so we're doing this series of uh, five podcasts on the brain, and today is officially our halftime break. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to make sure that people who are listening who maybe not interested in the brain had something uh, to enjoy. And it was also something I just recently gave a talk to a, at a conference and uh, I shared pretty much what I'm going to say today. And there was all the clinicians and they were like, oh, that's really, really useful. I really appreciate how using that kind of terminology and context would help me as a clinician or acupuncturist, you know, get my patients to not only comply, but to feel really, really um, motivated and confident that this is a good idea, like whatever the, the protocol or the
0: practice would be awesome great so it's a bit of a brain break today but uh not really because we get pretty geeky
2: <laughs> well yeah i mean it's, it's it's fusion health you know we got to put it all together and pull yeah. it all apart and put it all back together again sure so the last one was on the and we're doing the series on the brain in the four seasons so like you know fall winter spring summer and the last one was on the winter as it relates to the brain which would be like hibernation meditation uh finding ways to perhaps be less uh attached to the you know consequences of your imagined life or death stressors which for most of us in the western world the butterflies in our stomach can get carried away with you know our lists and stuff and the stress can be pretty intense so the winter episode for the brain was just really about you know using mindset and you know meditation practices uh things of communication in your relationships and stuff where you're more confident that day by day you're handling stuff so your mind can be
0: calm mm, right and so um Getting that back to uh, today, what's the sort of segue between, I guess, mindfulness and chi? Is there anything, any, any sort of way that they, people can go to sort of go from uh, the last episode, last episode to today, or is this just kind of a, a brand new topic?
2: Well, again, with fusion health, I guess we're looking at everything coming together in some way. I mean, what we're going to get into today, obviously, is going to have an impact on the health of your brain because we're talking about sort of the fundamentals of how the concept of chi relates to how diseases work.
0: So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're talking about then. Let's get into it.
2: Yeah. So if I was to take the word qi, you know, from Chinese, which we've all done since probably the 1960s and, I don't know, David Carradine and Kung Fu or something, you know, when we uh, decide to translate that word as a, like, energy or as a noun, you know, and we covered this uh, in a much earlier podcast, um, you know, then it has to have a place in the body. It has to be able to circulate throughout the body. And because science hasn't really found a way to uh, image or uh, through microscopes actually see or identify what we call meridians, there's this sort of conflict, if you will, of uh, if it's a thing, where is it? If it moves through the body, where's its pathway? And because again, with science, that's not something we've been able to figure out. Either science is dumb, or we've you know have a misinterpretation of an idea. So what I like to translate chi as is either the word circulation or communication. Uh, Again, so we think of the idea of uh, qi in the sense of Chinese medicine, it's really about how everything interacts with everything else. You know, your liver has its qi, right? Its way of being in the world. Your lung has its qi, and, you know, you have your qi. There's Anthony qi, Michael qi, Uh, in the sense that how it is that each system or organ in the body interacts with the rest of them uh, helps us identify or determine the health of that organ or system. So qi has kind of become, in a way, a, um, a qualifier, if you will. Uh, for the health of any system or organ. But again, if we move it away from the literal noun of it's actually a thing and it's more of a describer of things, then we could say the liver qi is your liver's circulation with respect to blood, you know, oxygen, hormones, neurotransmitters, obviously nutrients with respect to liver function. And then there's all the antioxidants and, you know, uh, free radical quenchers and other stuff that your liver does on a cellular level. So there's still something about circulation in your liver from your liver to your vascular system to the inside and outside of your cells. And that would be liver qi in the sense of circulation, and then we would look at, say, liver communication in the sense of uh, hormones and neurotransmitters and uh, other feedback loops that the body uses to regulate everything. And uh, uh, where they kind of come together, I think, obviously, is the things that communicate have to get a ride to the place where they actually have to uh, send their message. So everything that you could describe physiologically between circulatory systems and communication covers what I think Chinese you know, medicine people back thousands of years ago were trying to describe. And I mean, back then they had uh, uh, surgically uh, taken human bodies apart down to the level of anything you can see with your eye. And I mean, it would be an interesting experiment if we could I don't know, access an alternate dimension, go back 3000 years and give someone in China a microscope and then see if they, how long it took them to develop what we call Western medicine. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I think it's just crazy and kind of strange in China where they were, they'll were they make telescopes, they'll make all these other things, but they just never cued into, well, what's inside there anyway.
0: Nobody looked in the other end of the telescope.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, if they had, I think that would be what would have happened. And, uh, yeah, so now we can embrace the the context of Qi as everything that happens between uh, circulation and movement and communication and, you know, the interaction and regulation of the whole body, which is exactly what it is refers to in chinese medicine mm. it, it just isn't a noun
0: so it's i guess qi is just um an abbreviation yeah it's yeah. short shorthand for that yeah. you know five minute explanation that western medicine <laughs> had around um how the organs so the, the example you gave deliver just sort of uh functions how it works mm-hmm. and it's not just all about mechanics nope and i mean
2: uh, you know we can get into some real subtle things too which we will today uh that in in I don't know. Embrace the subtle or energetic aspects of what we would call, um, you know, chi and in, in the very subtle thing. In the sense of why, perhaps, doing your yoga or meditation or qigong near a waterfall or the ocean or in a jungle or at the top of a mountain or something um, has maybe a different kind of benefit. You know, mm-hmm. because there's circulation and communication with nature based on what's going on in the atmosphere. Perhaps around, say, negative ions or I an know ozone and stuff like that.
0: Cool. Um, so. I guess the concept of qi then is something that is um, uh, understood by Western medicine in its own words. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're describing it today, um, how does that sort of relate to uh, the holistic approach to health? Uh, well,
2: it gives us permission to, uh, for me, anyways, uh, you know, because of being say functional medicine, which is super scientific, and then Chinese medicine, which is you know based on tradition and wisdom. It gives me more confidence and permission to rely on the, you know, completely self-contained, holistic understanding that Chinese medicine has. And it, I mean, again, it just allows me to kind of stand on that as the, whatever theory of Chinese medicine I'm using is the beginning of the conversation. And Chinese medicine has beautiful shorthand. I mean, we had that whole podcast about terminology and kind Mm -hmm. of what things really mean and how if you understand the terminology as shorthand, When your patients understand it as shorthand, I mean, you can see more patients that day, (laughs) whereas other people who don't, uh, it would be, I think, more ethically necessary and responsible to actually, you know, explain what that might mean to a person who doesn't, you know, have any relationship with qi or Chinese medicine and needs to have a relationship with why their health is is changing and what they need to do about it.
0: Sure. And so um, uh, understanding how qi is a, I guess, a form of communication, uh, what was it you said?
2: Circulation communication.
0: Right. No, but you said something about it. Uh, she needs to get a ride somewhere.
2: Yeah, that's the circulation part.
0: Right. Okay. And so, uh, what's it look like when it works well versus when it doesn't?
2: Uh, I think when it's working well, everything that relies on circulation and communication is, you know, thumbs up. And if it's not working well, everything, which is everything, <laughs> <laughs> it relies on communication or circulation. Obviously, at first, if things aren't moving, you're not getting things where they need to go, and things start to fail communication's the same. I mean, it's almost like, um, if I was to, you know, use my little hand for gestures to maybe bring it into, uh, something you could use your body for, for a moment. So I've got my little hand on the, the table here and my, you know, I've got two fingers on the table. So if circulation is one step with my right foot or finger, then that's a good thing. I'm moving in the direction I want to go. And if communication's working and the left foot takes a step. Uh, the momentum of physiology and normal things is working. And then, of course, circulation needs to be there and communication needs to be there for the, you know, two feet of your body's physiology to move in any direction properly. If any one of those isn't quite going properly, you're going to be wandering in circles or limping or not going anywhere. Um, Yeah. So basically, the entry point into this is if we look at circulation, what can go wrong with that? And, uh, I'll just dive in. Sure. So the first thing that you're going to see statistically going wrong with circulation in the modern world is the effect insulin has on your vascular system. And we've, this is probably the 20th time we've had this conversation, but sugar bad <laughs> and uh, you know, high sugar, high starch, uh, high carbohydrate in your diet cr- creates high insulin because your insulin has to put the sugar away. But the consequence of having high insulin inside the vascular system is pretty dangerous. Now for imagery and context if you were to take the vascular tissue of any adult human and uh, add it all up end to end it would go around the equator of this planet eight times wow so in the sense of insulin and surface area and you know how much damage it can do to something that as a structure that can go around your planet eight times you know that that's a very high risk thing it's not like oh no it might hurt my little fingernail on my little finger on my one hand it's like oh it's gonna it's gonna hurt everything everywhere so when you look at high insulin specifically inside the vascular system, uh, just imagine that it's a little bit corrosive and it can cause pitting wounds, right? Uh, another thing that can do depending on where the pitting wound is, is it can actually cause a little bit of damage to a specific kind of spiraling protein that occurs uh, around your vascular tissue, especially your arterial vascular, uh, vascular tissue. And what happens is when your heart pumps, you know, it pushes out what's called a bolus of blood. And then that little spirally protein kind of works like a, a special kind of spring where that bolus of blood fills up, you know, a volume, you know, like, I don't know, the size of a say an egg, and then this as the egg pushes past the spirally protein, uh, it contracts and pushes the egg farther, right? Because there's no way in any kind of physiology where the human heart could actually push enough blood through enough vessels to get it everywhere. If somebody did the math, and it would the, your heart would have to be pumping hard enough by itself to push a semi-truck, I think, 8 feet or something like that. So I'm not sure that <laughs> would ever work in any kind of physics, but... Um, so those are the two things insulin are going to do specifically just to the tissue of your vascular system. What happens in the sense of uh, circulation into your brain with insulin we talked about before on an earlier podcast as well on how high insulin changes the rate and volume of how certain neurotransmitters actually go through the blood-brain barrier. Now, that's obviously sort of a communication issue and circulation issue in the sense of what we're talking about with qi. So that's, you know, step one is, you know, obviously vascular health is good. You know, you have to be able to breathe to get enough air to get your blood doing what it's supposed to do. You have to eat enough real food, hint, hint, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) Uh, for what your blood's actually delivering to your body to be, you know, of benefit and less harm. So the next thing that's going to really impact circulation in the the vascular sense is the body's attempt to repair those pitting wounds from the high insulin, right? And this is where your body naturally and for millions of years has taken a piece of uh, cholesterol, which your body cannot produce enough of in a day or get enough in a day from your food. So the whole low cholesterol thing makes me want to poke myself in the eye with a fork or something (laughs) Uh, or somebody anyway. (laughs) So your body naturally wants to take a cholesterol molecule and a white blood cell and mash them together into a kind of foam, flexible, yummy, happy, fluffy foam and put it onto that pitting wound so that your body doesn't actually start bleeding because there's a lot of pressure obviously inside the vascular system through a potential hole i mean to borrow i don't know science fiction imagery you know if you're in a spaceship and there's a hole you got to patch it really quick or you're going to be you know cold well, and
0: i think of every um disaster movie i can think of where somebody shoots a hole in the side of an airplane yeah there you go and everything goes
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah wouldn't look exactly like that but holes bad <laughs> <laughs> holes sugar bad yeah, okay. so okay before before you go yeah. too far
0: there i mean you you uh, a couple of different things um you've been unraveling a couple of bigger ideas let me just catch up to you okay um again the idea of of circulation that you're talking about is not necessarily just blood circulating but it's the circulation of chi within the body of everything chi's not noun, right Okay.
2: And you have to bust you on that. We've, we've already stumbled on that twice today. Okay,
0: fair <laughs> enough. Well, that's why I'm stopping yeah. stopping to ask, right? Because if I'm questioning it, I'm sure the listeners are questioning it too. So there's that for Chi. And then when you talked about uh, eating um, real food, mm. this is the opportunity for you to actually say something about the cookbook that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: such a bad merchant. So I've got a book. It's called Returning to an Ancestral Diet. It's available right now through my website, which is integrativehealthsolutions.ca.
0: There you go. Dear listener, please know that Michael is something of a um, connoisseur, gourmet, and a damn good cook, uh, and likes to um, practice what he preaches in the kitchen. Um, and so the ideas of whole foods, healthy foods, not the crap that comes out of a box or a can or, or
2: yeah if it's got a label telling you why
0: it's good for you it's not yeah <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to say it that's not necessarily what michael subscribes to so that's a, a big part of his uh, idea around fusion and health mm-hmm. and i'm seeing that because he didn't right <laughs> <laughs> um and because that's why i'm here uh so okay um back to the chi circulation uh vascular system pushing eggs mac trucks yeah um Cholesterol. Cholesterol, right.
2: (laughs) Right. So we've got this sort of 60 year long running, completely abstract, unprovable myth that cholesterol is bad for people, that uh, dietary fats turn into cholesterol, um, in some evil, dangerous way. Um, I mean, I still have patients coming into me trying to say, but my LDL is high. And I'm like, yeah, there's so many reasons for that, that, that are not. Like an incident for or a risk factor for incidence in, in heart disease, whereas something called uh, hemoglobin A1c, which is actually a measure of how high your insulin's been over the period of about three months. Uh, I mean that's important I mean because again insulin too high in your it damages your blood vessels and it also irritates your blood cells, which is why we'd have a marker for it which is a little ow 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 <laughs> on your hemoglobin uh, and the other uh, marker would be your triglycerides. Because that's actually your body being, uh, so compelled to deal with excess calories that your body's just in a rush to hide away and store all these extra calories, especially from carbohydrates, right? So what we do see though clinically, uh, especially when, you know, you brought up the context of, you know, food in packages, almost everything that you can buy that's a processed food that has any kind of uh, cholesterol in it especially from eggs um the, the, cho- the cholesterol molecules are now oxidized right so just think of them as i don't know brittle and you know slow moving and robotic in some way
0: i think of... i think of rusty but okay rusty perfect thanks
2: um well, i guess i'm trying to think in the sense of pliability right uh, so they, they're more rigid than they're their foamy happy you know fluffy regular cholesterols okay so if you have excess high insulin uh and you create a pitting wound in your vascular system, and your vascular system grabs onto a cholesterol. Oops, this one's oxidized. Oh, well, don't know what you know, what else to do right now. And the white blood cell and tries to make a foam and tries to make a, a, a patch. And what actually happens is it forms a plaque. Right? Now, there's going to be a certain amount of oxidized cholesterol just because your body has oxidative processes going on, so it doesn't always come from processed food. It's just when you eat it, there's no other thing you can do with it. It just floats around. An unusable in cell cell membranes and just by default becomes more and more proportionately available for those little wounds hmm. and the more you have placking on your arteries the more your arteries and those little spirally proteins we talked about can't do their little spirally flexible thing anymore because you have a solid rigid zombie plaque and now over time your vascular system is less and less effective at actually just moving blood around your heart has to work harder which eventually is going to cause any number of problems and you know drum roll please but Ta-da. That's the most common thing that you're going to see. That's going to affect uh, over time the circulatory system.
0: Mm. Well, and the idea of uh, a leaky artery um, mm-hmm. or something with a, a hole in it, and plugging it with something. I'm, I'm just picturing trying to, I don't know, patch a um, a pipe with a piece of plywood.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good image, actually. Yeah,
0: like you know, something that's kind of round, you know, patched up with something that has no. Uh, Give, yeah. I mean, I guess we or could an say appropriateness uh, to be fixing something round.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's a square peg, round hole. But this is about flexible or inflexible, right? Cool. And the flexible stuff can be uh, easily reabsorbed and debrided by your uh, by certain enzymes that are normally active in your body, because this is a normal process that's been going on forever, mm-hmm. right? Whereas we don't really have any way to actively, uh, normally, actively increase the taking apart of the oxidized cholesterol plaque. Uh, although. Um Kimchi is particularly really good at that.
0: So uh, for the sake of those folks listening going kimchi, what the hell is kimchi? <laughs> it's another kind of G, because Kim's here. Hi, Kim. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, we said cheese right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so kimchi is a fermented food. It's a fermented food made um, out of uh, cabbages and vegetables and garlic and ginger and
2: onions and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's kind of spicy if you like spicy.
0: Yeah, so I always uh, think of it as a spicier version of sauerkraut. Yeah. And it's a different kind of cabbage.
2: Yeah, but because of the kind of uh, specific chilies and other things like garlic and ginger at the volume that they're in there, which is what makes it really hot, Um, and this would get pretty technical if we wanted it to, but, uh, let's not go too technical, but basically all the combination of those things and the extra vitamin C and stuff that you get from traditionally made kimchi, kimchi, pardon me. Uh, it has the highest uh, level of ability outside of a specific supplement to take apart those plaque, even the hard ones.
0: So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Kimchi fixes circulation. Yeah. improve circulation yeah quick
2: story but the first time i made actually it was the second time because i screwed up the first batch but the first time i successfully made a big batch of kimchi and i was living on a hobby farm at the time so i had lots of chores uh once it got to the stage when it was ready to actually eat um i'd wander by this big five gallon bucket of kimchi that i'd made and i would grab onto a piece of kale and a piece of daikon and a piece of carrot and go off into the garden to do chores and water things and weed things and i got back into the house and i was just like compelled to go into the kitchen and eat some more and eat some more and go into the basement to do something and fix that thing and go back to the kitchen and eat some more within a, about two hours i must have eaten about a liter of the stuff wow and i was i mean i was just compelled by some instinct you know because it, it tasted really weird it take, takes a while honestly to get used to that flavor i woke up the next morning and i'm a fairly sensitive person to my physiology i've been doing qigong since i was like 10 um mm-hmm. I woke up going, my entire vascular system is doing something completely different and better. Holy cow.
0: Wow. And you, you notice that just because for lack of a better word, you ate a liter of Drano. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I'm, let's just say not really, but good stuff for my blood vessels. For yeah. Sure. Good Drano. Good, I, good yeah. Drano.
0: <laughs> well, it, I, I can just imagine how, um, I mean, in my experience of kimchi or anything mm-hmm. that's really spicy and how that sort of races through and sort of cleans out the, the yep. corners of my body. Yep. Um,
2: it's 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 a master of that.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, so now that we've taken a really long segue here <laughs> around kim and chi, <laughs> around kimchi, let's get back to the point. Kimchi vascular health. Uh, where were we on that idea?
2: Well, I think that covers sort of just the idea that the step one for everybody in the Western world is you're going to have to regulate your insulin by regulating your diet, and if you have any concerns around vascular disease, uh, cardiovascular disease, any history of it in your family you know, first thing you're going to want to do, start making some kimchi. And I think that recipe is actually up on my website. So
0: cool. Go for it. Yeah. Great. Um, so that's part of the list or the, be- was that the first part of the list? Are we
2: still on uh, circulation? Still just talk about circulation. I mean, we could probably talk about circulation for nine, 10 podcasts and not run out of things that are actually <laughs> relevant, but that'd be people for who are like, I don't know,
0: clinicians who are trying to be tricky. Nerds like you. Yeah. Well, I'd be picky. <laughs> okay. Um, so what's next on the list?
2: Well, there's things that happen in your body, um, through your thyroid gland.
0: So when you look at your thyroid gland, um,
2: that kind of falls into communication cause it's already it produces a hormone, uh, or a few. Um, but one of the things your thyroid does is it actually runs specific metabolic processes. It's kind of like a little spark plug inside your cells and it motivates other physiological things to happen, uh, or not happen depending on how much thyroid you have. And, uh, I think that's a circulation issue. And, you know, I think it's approximately 60% of your thyroid, uh, depending on who you research, uh, you you have a T4, which is inactive and T3, which is active and a bunch of other T's that we're probably never going to talk about. Um, but to turn the T4 into T3, about 60% of that process happens in your liver. So if your liver is not
0: Hang on. Doing Great. So these T's are things that are uh, produced by the thyroid, live in the thyroid, or... Yeah, they're produced and secreted by your thyroid. Okay. So T4s and T3s. Yep. And T3 is... Active. T4 is inactive.
2: Inactive. You have
0: to pull off an iodine to make it T3. Okay. So carry on. Yep. <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> uh, so if your liver is a little bit congested or overworked or... Um, you know, in the sense of liver qi not doing so well, you may not be getting all of that thyroid transposed from inactive to active. About uh, 20% of your thyroid, in the sense of T4 being turned to T3, happens in the microbiome, or the happy gut pile of bugs we always talk about when we get a chance to talk about the gut. So if either of those two systems aren't doing very well in the sense of communication and circulation, then the ability for us to produce thyroid, which actually runs sort of that end step of almost every metabolic process, so it's obvious essential and right now it's like an I don't know it's almost a, a, almost epidemic the rate at which thyroid problems are going up especially for women. Women are seven times more likely to have a thyroid issue. So we're going to have to do a thyroid podcast at least one
0: soon. Noted. Yeah,
2: yeah noted. <laughs> um, you know so that's one thing that I mean just in the sense of how everything moves because you know she always has to do with the idea of movement. Um, another weird thing that can happen, uh, if your immune system is dysregulated, you know, because of allergies, autoimmune disease, food sensitivities, um, when your immune system gets really riled up, it produces something called an immune system complex, which is kind of like a chemical bar fight. Now that's going to happen, you know, X times many more times, if you eat a lot of grains, because grains produce something called an agglutinin and an lectin, and those molecules stick things together, which is why we call them glutens and stuff, because they're sticky.
0: Because they're gluey.
2: Yeah. So now you've got all these chemical you know, immune system cell bar fights floating through your circulatory system, causing free radicals, causing inflammation, causing all kinds of other problems, which eventually have to be stuck into spaces that make them less dangerous, which could be a fat cell or a joint, right? Which is why arthritis is so popular. Mm-hmm yeah
0: uh, and so um again I, I keep coming back to the idea i mean i'm listening to what you're saying and i'm understanding it but ultimately what we're talking about is how um the communication between the different systems in the body when that's out of whack meaning the chi mm-hmm. that makes the body go when that's out of whack what actually happens Yep. so this is kind of like uh the jenga The the, the Jenga episode, you pull out this one bit and everything else sort of starts to teeter and totter and you fall over.
2: And that's the idea. And again, I think it's really motivating for people to go, oh yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter what she is in the sense of a thing. What matters is is what's happening with my circulation. Hmm. And obviously if you have an immune system complex, you know, here's a whole bunch of, I don't know, call it firefighters and ambulance people, you know, that could be running around your particular village making a difference. They're all stuck together with duct tape. You know, so then in the context of circulation, they've been deactivated by a glitch of uh, immune system dysfunction and most commonly because of the consumption of excess grains.
0: And the way that you've been going through the list here, is this kind of, uh, you know, the ankle bones ankle bones connected to the leg bone connected to the knee bone? Is this a particular order or is this well, kind of like, like...
2: It's kind of like order of impact. You know, if we had 100 people in a room, insulin and cholesterol, you know, plaques, I think 90% of people are going to go, that's a good idea. You know, a lot of people uh, have latent chronic immune stuff uh, going on at some point in their life or the arc of their health. You know, we all get infections and stuff. So I think taking care of your immune system is important. You know, being aware that your thyroid is essential for anything to happen and that it's, you know, epidemically being, you know, damaged by mostly by the consumption of, you know, wheat and gluten and stuff. Hmm. You know, so it's more about, I mean, I guess if I was to prioritize the list in any kind of order, it would be based on opportunity.
0: Opportunity for improvement? Yep.
2: You know, or putting on the brakes of the opposite of improvement, you know right. Maybe I'll only have five hundred Valentine's Day cookies because it's Valentine's Day in a couple of days. So. Yeah,
0: only five hundred as opposed to <laughs>
2: whatever else you used to do <laughs> you did last year, when...
0: <laughs> other than that food eating record you broke last year.
2: when you suddenly joined that weight loss cult. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, uh, so um thyroid. Yeah. So there's Um, thyroid
2: immune system complexes. I mean, I don't want to get into inflammation technically because it would take up too much time, but inflammation is, you know, a huge misuse of resources and a huge pile of burning tires in the sense of, you know, what your circulatory system is now busy doing. Right. Um, So you don't want burning tires floating around your vascular system. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Probably not a good idea. Stop it. (laughs) Uh, A real obvious one, um, when you look at the, kind of what I would call the downstream process of health. You know, there's what's going on inside your gut. Then there's the health of the tube of your gut. Then there's the health of the immune system around your gut. And then there's all of the blood that comes from all of that, you know, depending on what you eat and how much stress you have. All that blood goes through your portal vein into your liver. And if your liver isn't doing very well, or your gut's leaking and pooping into your bloodstream, or... Uh, your microbiome is completely whacked out because of the use of antibiotics and other things, the kind of tissue that goes into your portal vein becomes more and more demanding for your liver to actually clear. Right? Mm. So uh, if you were to imagine your liver as having two conveyor belts in it end-to-end, you know, a drop of blood from your portal vein, which is actually so thick, uh, it's four times thicker than regular blood, and it's actually black. So here's a blob of black blood, goes under conveyor belt number one, gets turned around and, you know, changed into things that are good for you and some of the things that are the most dangerous for you, like free radicals and oxygen and reactive species. And that's supposed to happen. It's normal. And then the, the bad guys go into conveyor belt number two and get turned into things that are good for you and inert. So if your conveyor belts are out of whack, which is almost always the case if you're dealing with someone like me because you have a disease, um, then the tissue in the portal vein doesn't move through that whole process as easily. So now your portal vein is getting bigger and you know, you think of the guy with a beer belly. you know, you know, he doesn't have a lot of fat, but he's got this big ball in his abdomen. A lot of that's like a giant blood sausage.
0: Wow. Yeah, and I think we talked about that in a previous podcast or a previous conversation. But yeah. the idea of uh, the portal vein being um, responsible for how some men just never see their feet anymore. Yeah, <laughs> amongst other things, below the
2: waist. Yeah, amongst other things. <laughs> anyway, so when you have portal vein restriction, uh, that's going to be a part of the incidence for higher blood pressure because now your heart has to work harder because it's not getting the, that whole you know fluid supply as easily, and Uh, Another risk is that having all that blood sitting between your gut lining and your portal or your liver the blood inside the portal vein when it's not moving fast enough can become septic which means it's kind of rotting away which means that rotting septic blood is now sitting up against the we'll call the inside of the the gut tube you know in the sense of the side facing the inside of your body and that can be corrosive and actually cause uh, poor nutrient, nutrient absorption uh, more infections, lowered immunity, um, and eventually it could even break through that membrane, and you know, it actually end up bleeding out of either end.
1: Mm.
0: I'm picturing people just yeah. running from the radio right now that they're listening to. <laughs> well, just get on a, like a treadmill, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's almost kind of um, well, I mean, it is kind of scary to listen to all this sort of stuff. That if one doesn't pay attention to one's health uh, in a decent way, that you know, the cascade effect is kind of. I mean, as you're describing it, complex.
2: I mean, I'm just talking about circulation. I think if we wanted to scare people, I could start flogging out all of the dire statistics of modern health hmm. based on what happens when you don't fix these things.
0: <laughs> well, maybe that's where my mind's already going. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I guess that's what we're talking about, is that yeah. the, these things exist, therefore you should mind your manners and your health. Yeah, and again, the context
2: being circulation, that's... Um, it has many facets and layers, and depending on your uh, awareness of your health or uh, what may be causing your lack of good health, you could you have many opportunities here to improve your circulation or your chi.
0: Hmm, right. Okay. Uh, portal vein, uh, what's next on down the line?
2: Um, well, if your liver is not doing so well, then your gallbladder is not doing so well. And, uh, gallstones, uh, poor ejection rate of bile coming from the, the actual gallbladder into the pancreatic duct where it mixes with your pancreatic juices and leaps on your food and they all have a party. But, uh, that's, uh, I don't know, going on for almost everybody who's got a congested liver as, you know, more, more gallstones, more septic uh, or caustic bile and, uh, more inflammation of the bile duct, meaning the bile isn't moving as well, which can actually eventually cause enough Kind of traffic jam backup that it actually starts to become toxic to your liver,
0: hmm. and uh, I mean, in my experience, uh, long-standing issue for me since I was a kid. Not anymore, or you know, find some wood to knock on <laughs> he around here. uh, my head; it's probably made of wood. <laughs> uh, has been gallbladder issues, yeah. really. um, and I think that's uh, in my experience a direct relation to uh, all things bready and gluey and sweet and savory and just. Bread is dead for me. It's just totally, uh, I I can just eat bread and have my gallbladder act up just like that. Yep. And it's, so everything we've just been talking about for the past, what, 15 minutes about that whole chain of events that go from um, glutinous foods through your liver into your gallbladder.
2: um, It's all true. Yeah. And Ow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Ow. ow, Big time. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, we've probably come across this before, but, you know, the astounding number of people with heartburn or GERD that it's actually due to congested gallbladder making more concentrated in caustic bile is it's astounding.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. GERD, gastroencephal, what? Encephal-
2: Gastroesophageal
0: reflux disorder. Right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, I saw that on TV once. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going around too. Uh, so gallbladder.
2: Yep. Um, Next. and I'm just aware that this is probably getting a little long in the teeth for everything. So I'll just go through a couple more cause there's quite a list. One that's interesting is something called pyroluria, and I would say it's both a circulation and communication thing. So when your body's producing new red blood cells and taking apart old red blood cells, uh, we produce something called a cryptopyrrole, or called a you know a, a P. And And um, when you have those in your body, we all do. Most people clear them through your kidneys and liver very rapidly, or through your kidneys and bladder very rapidly. So, you know, as long as you're peeing out the peas, then you're going to be okay. But if you're not very good at clearing the pyrroles out of your system, you know, they just swim around your blood supply looking for something to do, and they grab onto zinc and B6, specifically the active form, which we call P5P, uh magnesium, manganese, and a few other things, and they just hold on to them in a little headlock. So now you have these super essential nutrients that you've been happily ingesting in your nutrient-dense, you know, paleo diet or whatever, <laughs> Um, and it, all, all these good things just get bound to the pyrols. And this is compounded over time. And it's compounded by stress. Because every time you end up more profoundly stressed, your need for those things like P5P and zinc and, you know, magnesium and stuff like that goes up, but you don't have enough of it. So your subjective experience of how bad stress can be gets bad. And this is the people who become the hoarders, the cat ladies, the socially isolated people. Um, you know, and it's genetically passed on. So, you know, you can see people where I mean, there was one family I, I was working with uh, recently where uh there was a lot of uh conflict in the family, especially between the younger people. And I started asking them about well parents and health and then grandparents and health and you know, lifestyle and behavior and habits. And I was like, "Maybe I'll send you guys a questionnaire and you can let me know if this, this you know, touches anything." Uh the oldest person in the family that did it had a, a score of 100, I think 11 in the person around midlife was around 90 something and the kids were in their fifties for scores and anything anything over a 30 is considered well we should maybe look at this
0: wow and so that that the whole um correct me i don't even need to tell you to correct me if i'm wrong Um, (laughs) that the the whole whole metabolic process is hereditary yep to the point where um it actually screws up the is it the right way to say it the nutritional absorption of certain um, things in the body that actually manifest themselves as a stress
2: uh well it's not so much the absorption as they get captured by the pyrroles, okay and because we can't clear them they just sit there grabbing onto things until eventually we, we clear them but uh everyone i've ever worked with that has any of those markers come up we just say okay you're either going to do the test which is a urine test which is going to cost you about I don't know 80 bucks or we just start treating you for it and you spend that 80 bucks on the supplements you'd be taking to you know have more resilience to that and all of a sudden you feel 10 times better and you're willing to talk to your friends again well uh so let's just go with you got (laughs) pyroluria
0: so pyroluria is something that um you don't necessarily see uh some sort of physical manifestation of it but it's more like a personality kind of thing mostly it
2: becomes a behavioral thing of of addictions or social isolation or anything we can do to compensate for stress and how to deal with other people wow that's pretty cool which brings i mean this will be sort of the end of the podcast when we get to the this next part of the conversation but communication is essential amongst our species in the sense that we touch each other talk to each other and and actually get a certain amount of uh social contact or contact in the sense of what we might call grooming because we're primates and um we don't get that we get more squirrely but when pyroluria makes you feel like less squirrely by being by yourself than being with people you know that's not really a plus it just seems like one
0: hmm is that always the case then somebody who's um is the right word introverted would you say that that's
2: uh most people that are introverted i think it would be a good idea to take that questionnaire it's i mean you can email me and i'll email the questionnaire. i developed it over a couple of years in uh, conjunction with other researchers and clinicians and um if it looks like that's a thing for you it's it's a very inexpensive protocol to uh, to apply to actually just see if you feel better by having more things like p5p zinc and magnesium in your diet and um, getting rid of things that are going to you know load your body up and do things to actually improve the your body's ability to produce blood cells that's very cool
0: you said you were going to sort of jump down the list? Are we, are we still on the list? Are we, uh,
2: well, there's a few other ones that I think are just really, really cool. Maybe find some other excuse in another podcast to touch on. So I just want to switch the conversation, you know, uh, as we were just talking about, um, from the context of circulation to the context of communication. Mm. Okay. Right. So everybody got it. needs a ride, right? Everything has to get somewhere in the sense of what she is about with circulation and everybody needs to talk to somebody. So everything in your body that actually has any kind of message, which is almost everything that moves around, um, there's limiting, you know, factors on that functionality too.
0: And those limiting factors. Uh, so sorry, are we going to go through like the the top ten list? Um, so, I would like
2: say that? maybe we'll stick to the top three or four. Okay. Um, and some of them are going to sound repetitive because they were in the circulation list. Mm. Yeah. You know? um, so neurotransmitters, you know. Um, Little internet messages that go from every tissue in your body to every other tissue. Uh, they need to get there. So that's the circulation part, but they need to be effectively able to share their message, right? So this could be serotonin, dopamine, acetylcholine, um, glutamate, glutamate, other things like that, where. Uh, You know, they have a very specific message to share. And if they're not getting that message, uh, you're not going to be able to run that process. Uh, So serotonin gets turned into melatonin. If you don't have enough melatonin, you don't get to sleep, right? So, I mean, the melatonin has to get where it's got to go, but it also has to actively, you know, go through a receptor and and, and activate something. And what we're seeing um, nowadays um, is this thing we call adaptive resistance, where any system that we stress um you know beyond you know i guess normal human stress conditions and stuff like that um especially by overloading something the receptor for that particular neurotransmitter basically plugs its ears closes its eyes and hopes no one ever bothers it again in the sense that if a, uh, if a receptor was a doorway the cell locks the door so mm-hmm. the neurotransmitter comes along and says hi i'm here to deliver your mail or a picture of some movie. You've got mail, <laughs> and, and nobody wants to open the email because we've had too much of that message already, right? So, you know, it, it, it's it's become a kind of a big thing in functional medicine. Actually, in the last two or three years, now that you know, there's more psychiatrists moving over to functional medicine and stuff that. You know, and I used to run with this idea that if you're having, you know, a depressive experience and, you know, maybe you're not sleeping or whatever, well let's add all these things that help you build neurotransmitters that are specific to that, you know, thing that we thought we were doing. And that still works in sixty to seventy five, you know, percent of people they feel some benefit. It'd be the natural version of taking an SSRI or an antidepressant. You because know, we want more serotonin in, in where it does its job. And, you know, we do see some benefit, but we always see this like 20, 25% of people that building the neurotransmitters based on the idea that there was a deficiency of neurotransmitters doesn't work and sometimes makes people worse. In fact, you know, often enough that it's, you know, makes people nervous about applying that old protocol that we all ran with for 15 years. We're like, oh, it's so great. We're like, oh, wait a minute. Mm. Maybe we could hurt some people. So let's be careful right so it turns out that there is a communication circulation thing deeper in the brain um see we're talking about brains anyway (laughs) um that actually has more to do with how neurologically uh, healthy your brain is as an actual system and structure so it's not often that it's actually like your depression is not as often an actual serotonin deficiency as it is as an inability for the brain to communicate properly inside of itself
1: Hmm.
0: and that's that's what you're talking about the whole idea of communication Hmm. yeah wow yeah um so that if everything that happens in the body is a process of there's no lone rangers everybody works in i I, I just picture this um i don't know long lineup of people where one guy's at the lake and he's got a bucket of water and he passes it to the next guy and passes it to the next guy and all the way down the line and eventually they fill a pool somewhere i mean that's kind of how the body works right it's just this giant um daisy chain of (laughs) Uh, yeah. And I,
2: I'm compelled to say this because of all the, it's 2016 and, you know, politics being what it is right now. Uh, your body's a social democracy. A social democracy.
0: Wow. I'm sure there's a few Republicans out there going, no, it's not. <laughs> and that's why I said it. So there, <laughs> Republicans or harperites rights or whatever it is. That <laughs> people who still think the
2: 1950s was cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, parts of it were. Yeah. Uh, music-
2: yeah. Nice cars. Music was good. Yeah. That's
0: true. <laughs> Uh so we're talking about neurotransmitter system. Yeah. Uh what else relies on communication?
2: So the next big thing in communication is hormones. Mm, okay. Right? Now we can all imagine kind of like the I mean the first thing that would come to someone's mind is PMS and uh or um you know how hormones relate to where your your body holds body fat if you have extra body fat um you know whether or not your hair stays or goes or how it stays or goes or how fast your um hair turns gray you know if it turns straight from the top down or the bottom up and all these different things and uh obviously sexual function reproduction you know all those things are you know so important (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the sense of health on so many levels so having hormonal balance is important and it comes to the same conversation there's the circulatory part getting everyone a ride to where it needs to go and then there's the fact that it's brought the message of testosterone let's grow more muscles and you know you know have chest hair and whatever else uh the thing that can happen is the message isn't strong enough or the body's had enough of that message or it's been irritated by another molecule that looks like that message and the receptor's going, no, we're not going to do that right now.
0: And if the receptor doesn't get the message, then the message doesn't get delivered and it doesn't do what it's supposed to.
2: Yeah, and then you may or may not get your erection. You may or may not get your period. You may or may not be able to have a baby.
0: Mm, right, wow. You
2: know, And we have so many what are called the exo... Um, uh well let's call them exo hormones or hormones or things that look like hormones coming into our bodies from the environment um from packaging from foods from water bottles from all kinds of other stuff from tin cans i just saw this thing on social media uh, that was like three or four days ago where there's this new camping water bottle that you can use anywhere in the world that removes pharmaceutical drugs from your natural water creek up in the mountains Hmm. because now there's Mm -hmm. enough pharmaceuticals in the water supply that you know, you're,
0: you're drinking everyone's leftover drugs that they pooed and peed into the ocean. It doesn't matter where it's the great. water is coming from. It's full of crap.
2: Uh, well, I mean, if they're in the were, I, mean, I think in somewhere in Central America or something in the mountains and they're cleaning their creek water out of a mountain creek in hmm. the jungles of the world and they were very happy to be getting rid of the pharmaceutical drugs out of their drinking water.
0: Wow. Now, even if that's true, I don't know if I necessarily believe it or not, but I don't, uh, I don't know
2: if it's true. But I'm just saying that, that was an interesting for me, yeah. yield sign on the momentum of you know our present, I don't know, industry complexes. Which, like, come on, dude, like if we're eventually going to have to, even in the future, clean pharmaceutical drugs and toxins out of mountain streams, we need some brakes on this machine here,
1: right?
0: Right? So, uh, the uh, influence of external things that can. So are you saying that those, uh, whatever the junk is in the water, those are hormones of themselves or they affect the hormones in our body?
2: Yeah, they are the hormones or they look enough like the hormones that they're going to make the receptors lock the door. Right. And or run a whole bunch of other processes where men get breasts and, you know, other things could happen that usually don't happen.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. He says like, sure. Now we can carry on to something else. Now that again, compartmentalize that, not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a skill. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's broadcast skill. Um, what's next on the list?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, we could do a whole podcast on just the catastrophic, uh, destructive, uh, um, aftermath of chronic stress. Right. I mean that I think it would have to have like the thought right would have to be its own conversation because there's a lot to it. but stress obviously changes very much the way all of your neurotransmitters and hormones and um, uh, obviously stress specific hormones uh, communicate with the rest of your body about your body about your past, your present, your future about whether or not you're gonna get to sleep, about how much barbiturates you need to sleep or alcohol or you know medical marijuana or whatever you're doing. I mean if you need something to make something happen that's supposed to happen, okay let's just say maybe we should fix why it's not happening Mm -hmm. you know and so many things are determined by all this background communication
0: yeah i I guess the whole idea of how things are connected still keeps ringing through my ears Mm -hmm. around how you're talking about things um how um, obvious it is that you know one component connects to the next connects to the next it's um It's a bit exciting to hear what you're talking about. It's a little bit scary. So I don't know if I want to go any further with this, but I know you've got a few more notes on the list. So
2: stop talking. You're scaring me. Carry on. I'm trying to help. (laughs) So, you know, your immune system communicates with the rest of your body in a huge way. Mm -hmm. Every immune system process has at least half of the substrate molecules that are made are made to tell other immune system cells or your central nervous system or your stress physiology or your circulatory system what to do next. I mean, they literally secrete things that make your vascular system porous exactly at the spot where the immune system cells need to leave your blood circulation and go and attack the actual, you know, infected cell or whatever like that. So the, it, it astounds me. I and mean, Anthony, I just have to say it astounds me, especially with the stuff we can do with like really great imaging now. When you can watch how complex and intricate the, the human bodies, all, all animals are, it just, you, you have to admit that there's multiple layers of, living intelligence within your body, Mm -hmm. which may be creepy and I'm haunted (laughs) Halloween podcast, (laughs) you know, but there's just so much going on that when you can really just sit there and and see it all interacting. I mean, it's one thing to read it on a piece of paper, but maybe I'm just a visual learner when I can see, you know, 17 different immune system cells all dealing with all of the intercommunication that they do to just run the process of wound healing. You know, you're just like, man, it's improbable that this could possibly have just happened by, happenstance. And it doesn't matter how it happened. It's just incredibly amazing that it happens the way it does. Yeah, it's
0: pretty freaking cool that it does. Uh,
2: Everything that dysregulates your immune system, allergies, autoimmune disease, is telling the rest of your body, especially your central nervous system, that you're basically on fire or in danger. Hmm. So not much fun there. No. Um, The toxicity that we, we get in the modern world, you know, obviously worse if you're working in some kind of factory or making, you know, stained glass at home with lead. Um, some people have copper IUDs that, uh, because of what's called methylation, which we'll probably have to do a podcast on. Um, they can actually have severe toxic reactions to the copper. Um, and then there's all the a copper in our water supply because we use copper pipes and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So, you know, it would, it would, I could probably write five or six large books on each thing that's toxic to the human body and how it specifically causes all these secondary problems, which I'm not going to do, but I could. And so I'm not going to get into in depth what the toxins do, but they basically just tell your body, um, in terms of stress and immune system function, that things are just getting worse and worse and worse because these things bounce around causing more and more, and more, uh, things that bounce around very much like, what you know, you'd see your average zombie movie. Mm, right. Yeah. So toxins are bad because they make zombies make more zombies. Eick so I would just want to take the communication context of Chi you know up from under the microscope and you know put down a little picnic basket and picnic blanket and say communication is also essential with you yourself your family your children uh, your co-workers and stuff like that and each of us has the, the relatively functional or dysfunctional training and modeling and upbringing that we have around communication and every time I've ever taken the opportunity to go and learn more about how to communicate with people as a clinician, um, as a person in relationship or relation canoes, as we like to call them here on Fusion Health Radio. Um, (laughs) Episode 10? Something back there. Um, You know, you get pulled over by the police. You know, how you communicate is going to change very much how that, you know, situation goes. So, I mean, it comes to mind, maybe doing a podcast on communication skills would be a good idea. Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, nothing makes people more comfortable than knowing they can sit down to a date, a meeting, uh, you know, a a job interview or having to fire someone or whatever and actually feel somatically, mentally and emotionally pretty chill because – you, you know you're just you're gonna to have to go through the you know the verbal mouth sounds of the conversation as effectively as possible to just bring the conversation to its inevitable you know end if the date goes to the nightclub or if the you know argument with your kid turns out to become pathological or Or the podcast listener subscribes to the
0: podcast oh uh, yeah there you go or the
2: yeah the podcast <laughs> listener subscribes to the podcast exclamation mark it's, it's a rule <laughs> But, uh, you know, just it's an amazing thing in my life as I become, you know, into midlife and do more mentoring and teaching and public speaking where I can walk into a room, a a stage between, you know, however many people, hundreds of people and actually go, okay. as soon as I start talking, then I'll just go through the thing that I do when I'm talking about whatever I'm talking about. And I'm pretty sure I can answer anybody's questions. So hmm, nothing to worry about. No stress my, my mind and my, my, you know, awareness is present to, you know, reading body language and other stuff. So I become more effective at communicating, you know, and that's just good G.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. Well, I, the, the whole idea of, um, uh, being present and grounded and, um, attentive to the individual at the other side of the microphone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the podcasting is one thing because we're recording here in this little office of yours. Mm-hmm. um, but doing this live uh, through community radio as I do through here in town is a totally different thing. And it's like, you know, my pants are on fire, but I'm still calm mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm doing it live. Yeah. It's a, but it's, it's, it's wonderful to be so um, just with it around that whole thing yeah. and, and not be bothered by it.
2: I'm just going to say this, this is a really nice room. It's like, Big, bright windows, a nice library. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's nicely painted. Certificates
0: <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's middle name starts with W. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is what he did as a little room. I like, go,
2: I want people to like my clinic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lovely clinic.
0: It totally is. Um, so the idea of communicating and how that, uh, uh, shows up for different people in different situations and the level of stress and, uh, I guess lack of stress. Uh, Is kind of what I'm speaking to. I mean, Uh I'm I'm comfortable speaking in front of a large crowd. I'm comfortable speaking in front of a microphone, um, as you are. And some people just don't have that. So I guess the idea of chi and how things are affecting them, I've often wondered if I'm able to speak better in public because my health is so good.
2: Oh, I think that's true because, I mean, I know I have pimples because I'm allergic to potatoes, and I eat potatoes and I get pimples. And then I walk in front of a camera or the crowd, and I'm like, so... Hi, everybody. I ate potatoes. (laughs) Just get out of the way because if you're a health mentor and and you have a pimple or whatever, you have to clear your throat often because I do because I have this other thing. I'm either going to feel insecure about those things or I'm just going to go, yep. So this is, Mm. this is is what's going on. And, you know, it's kind of uh, almost, uh, like a little icebreaker, it's just like okay, so let's let's you know talk about the elephant in the room, so that we can move on to the communication part for what's relevant. And for me, as mostly an educator, I mean, people need to be able to just understand what I'm saying, and assume that I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I just want to bring this wrapped up to something because um, in Chinese medicine, um, well, there's one other thing after this, but in Chinese medicine, the thing we're always concerned about about is called Qi deficiency or Qi stagnation right not enough circulation and communication or something that's blocking circulation and communication right? right so if it's communication with other people if it's communication in terms of how your body works circulation i mean circulation and i think in the bigger context you know if we can talk about communication being a conversation circulation would be moving your body you know getting everything to just move around lots more and i think the last thing i'll say about communication is how you communicate with yourself is probably more important than any other thing in your life.
0: Uh, self-talk is what comes to mind when you say that yeah.
2: internal dialogue, whether or not you support yourself or you judge yourself, or you have to be angry at yourself to get, you know, to open your vitamin bottles or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, the go-to thing is it's, it's so much, it's so essential that we actually start with let's be kind, gentle and patient with ourself. Mm Because most people are not. I know if I'm having a bad day, I'm like an asshole in a back alley with a billy club. And I'm I'm, I'm the guy with the club and I'm the guy in the corner, you know, taking the hits.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, A friend of mine, um, we we talk about this all the time because he suffers from chattering monkeys. Um, You know, there's a whole bunch of monkeys in his head. Um, and there's some days when they're like, Oh, Hey, look, here's a pile of crap. Oh, this is lovely. Oh, Hey, let's start flicking this stuff around. And before yeah. you know it, you got a hundred, monkeys throwing around crappy ideas around his head and he just totally gets paralyzed by it. But he's also able to, um, as he affectionately calls, um, you know, stick a Q-tip in his ear and and stab the the monkeys before they get too far. I mean, he he doesn't always do that. I think that's a Homer Homer Simpson thing to do is to stick a Q-tip in your (laughs) brain. Yeah. So, I
2: mean, it's like a puppy, you know, you got to tame it to play with you the way that you actually want it. You know, if you you can get your brain to heal in the sense of what meditation is for, and I mean, heal like Puppy heel walk behind me three feet by my left foot, mm-hmm. I'm not heel, would get better. Although they would happen simultaneously, I think. <laughs> um, you know that that's such a thing to celebrate. It's 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 an opportunity for every person listening to this, and every person, every person listening to this ever meets, is if we could like s- send through the podcast some kind of weird thought virus that if you could actually just tame the puppy of your mind and stop it from chewing the furniture of your soul, then. You're going to be a completely different person in how you communicate with other people, yourself, the world, how effective you could be, you know, like, why haven't I succeeded at my career? Because you're an asshole to yourself and you really don't want anything more than the story you've been told to tell yourself. Because mm. you know? I know that's that was my story a long time ago, which is oh, I'm just going to sit here and spin with the conditioning I have instead of trying something new.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think of how uh, much... Um self-growth I've gone through in the past five years, three mm-hmm. years, um, to the point right now that when the, um, when the shit hits the fan, um, you know, there's reactions and things that I used to do in the past for these days. I kind of, I kind of go like, Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? You're back. Hey, eh? you think
2: you're going to get a job here again? Sorry. Well, you're fired.
0: But it, it comes to the, the idea of having a, a well-heeled puppy, you know, yeah. of, of being yeah. able to be, um, okay. This stuff is flying around all over the place. It's kind of stinky and gross. And it's like, wow, okay, this is what's happening right now. And being more self-aware, uh, self-loving, uh, self-controlling, um, um, if you will, or self-directed to the point where that, I think, has really given me the um, the ability to take charge of my health, my physical health.
2: Yeah, and look how big your chi is. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's where we started the podcast, right? Yeah, because
2: I mean, again, if, if we're willing to allow Qi to kind of be a noun when you need to think of it that way, but every time you do, remind yourself that by looking at it as circulation and communication, you've got so many more tangible thingies to play with, mm. especially within the space of your own
0: mind. Right. Um, are we done? <clears throat> Is that kind of how you wanted to cover off the things for today with Qi, yep. qi circulation? Yep. Cool. I guess that wraps up today's episode of Fusion Health Radio then. Sure does. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that does wrap up the episode. And uh, there was an awful lot of ideas and concepts that floated around today. So because of that, we want to hear from you. Um, let us know what you thought of the podcast. You can search for Fusion Health Radio on Facebook, where you can leave us comments there. Uh, you can ask Michael questions. And you can offer your own ideas for a Fusion Health Radio podcast topic. Uh, we're always happy to get more ideas about what we can do to get behind the microphone uh you can also find fusion health radio podcasts on itunes uh, where you can subscribe and access the complete library of our podcasts and while you're there please write us a review uh because that's what i guess that's the magic that happens with itunes you write a review and all of a sudden apple thinks we're alive yep. and shows us in front of us a whole bunch more people just think of all the people that you could help if you wrote a review yeah so write that review pay it forward <laughs> Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, let us know again via Facebook, iTunes, please share this with someone, you know, um, and that person is somebody who wants to improve their health too. I've got an idea. What's that? I'll send
2: anyone an ebook copy of my 600 page cookbook and book on nutrition. If you write a review and send me a link to the review on Facebook.
0: Awesome. Well, there's, a, there's a great deal so you, you, you it's a 20 dollar book it's a 40
2: real book if you want the real book but.
0: <laughs> there you go if you want the you want the paper version it's only going to cost you 20 bucks plus shipping
2: uh no the books 40 bucks plus the shipping is about 15 bucks in canada 25 to the states because it's 1.3 kilograms it's, it's, a a big
0: big co- it's a big book it's a big book it's an awesome book yeah michael likes to cook therefore we have a very large book makes an excellent doorstop for those of you who don't give a shit about your health. <laughs> Self-defense weapon. <laughs> um, I guess that's it. We're done. We're just kibitzing and just going off here because I yep. think we're both high on, I don't know, chi or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Working th- for me. Thanks for listening. This is Fusion Health Radio, the health, lifestyle, and mindset podcast featuring Dr. Michael Smith. This has been episode 19, chi, chronic illness, and you. I'm Anthony Santa, your host, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Be well.
2: Take care of each other. You have been listening to Fusion Health
1: Radio. Please add your comments or post a question at Facebook slash Fusion Health Radio.